Live from the Huntington Hilltop. Coming to you from the last homeless free zone in Orange County. In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Black. Hmm. What should we start with? Drinking. Uh, Nicola. That. Oh yeah. Water that tastes like cola. I need to find that shit. You said Whole Foods has it, right? Whole Foods and uh, Big Lots. Big Lots, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I need to find that stuff. I'm fantastic product. What are you drinking? Finishing off a gin and diet cranberry cocktail to ease the immense soreness radiating from my back right now because I got back fucked by my chiropractor today. <laughs> I got it up right up the back fart pipe. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I got some mineral water. Yeah, I started drinking that uh, Girl Steiner mineral water again. The kind that'll give you kidney stones? That kind, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's super carbonated. It is. You it tried almost some? burns your tongue. Yeah, I, I've I've had it numerous times. <clears throat> I don't buy it though because I mean it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's it's really good, but I I they don't have any flavors. It's just like the basic. They have an apple one. You gotta look to me then. I've never seen a flavor Carol Steiner. Uh, if you go to World Market, there's a flavored one, but I think they actually have apple juice like from apples in it. It's not essence or anything so there's sugar sugar okay yeah and that would suck because you don't want to brush your teeth defeats the purpose i don't even care about brushing my teeth i care about spiking my insulin oh yeah that would screw up your fasting i like drinking mineral water when i'm fasting because it uh hydrates you more than regular water does because it has minerals in it and other shit that your body is deprived of when you're not eating. Is your mic in a little different spot today? Uh, I was turning my head. Does that sound better? We'll see. I'm a little nasally today, too. Maybe I sound different. Yeah, maybe that's it. Hey, I bought something. Where'd it go? Shit. It's tiny. It's a... I mentioned it on the other show, but I didn't have the NVMe to go inside of it. It's an M2X USB-C... 3.1 3.1 Gen 2 uh, external storage device, but it's an enclosure for non-volatile memory. So you get one of these little discount NVMe modules, and you can slip it in. It's like a little pack of gum, and then there's a little piece of uh, thermal tape or like thermal adhesive. It's a thermal pad kind of thing. You slap it on the the chip, mm-hmm. and then you try to slip it in there. That was the biggest pain in the ass because I, I finally got my Intel NVMe. It's a one terabyte. I slipped it into this thing, put the thermal tape on it. And then when I tried to slip it into the enclosure, it immediately clung to the, the top of the enclosure and then tore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You probably buy more of that thermal adhesive. That's probably cheap. I mushed it together. It works. And then I decided I'd try different approaches. And the, the one I settled on my approach for trying to actually get this thing in there and make sure the, uh, the thermal tape sticks to the ceiling 
but doesn't get stuck on the way in. Uh, I slip it in, but I use a little sliver of plastic, like clear, clear plastic that it came mm. with that you remove. Like not I cut it into it strips, like little, uh, they get, they get like little tiny wedges, thin wedges. Mm-hmm. And I put them on both ends of the thermal tape. And then when I slipped it in there, that caused enough of a gap so that it didn't touch the, uh, the enclosure. And then I used tweezers. To Are you sure it's not it supposed to fuse to the enclosure though for heat transfer? No, I think it is, which is why I cut little slivers so that once I stuck it in there, I couldn't oh, even I feed see it what in. You're saying. Yeah, I had to yeah. snake it in there. So it has just enough surface contact. To... Yeah. And then I was able okay. to use tweezers to pull the little slivers of plastic out. Okay. And this device gets warm. There's a little heat fin, but it will do one gigabyte per second. Well, just shy of it, but that's impressive for something that's maybe twice the size of a flash drive. Yeah, those controllers on those things aren't built to last, though. Don't be surprised if that thing craps out on you in a few months. Okay, I'll make sure I have have copious backups. Yeah, they... Any external enclosure, I mean, generally they're all shit. I know Lacey makes some good stuff, but they're those little controllers. They they don't have the um, they're not well put together. Number one, like the salt the soldering points are all flimsy. Are you talking shit. about the board that the yeah. USB connects to? Okay, yeah, yeah, the little controller on it, and like the soldering points are shit. Like they they're flimsy. And like they're not designed to be plugged, plugged and unplugged constantly. <clears throat> and then the heat uh, is the other issue. Stuff overheats, but I don't know. Maybe your mileage will vary. Maybe you'll get good uh, amount of use out of it. How much do you think this would cost? I know you already know the price because I mentioned it in our chat, but we're about a hundred and uh, right around a hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks. Really. <laughs> Yeah, which one did you get? What's the brand? Uh, the NVMe or the case? The case. The enclosure thing is, uh, it, it's, it's made in China. Is it my digital SSD? Oh yes, it is. How the fuck did you know that? Yeah, it's the same one we have. M2X. Those things have been around for over a year. Yeah, M2X. It's the same thing. Thanks. Right yeah. in my parade. No, I mean, uh, I'm just. What with was it? it? About 100 and, 120 bucks, 100 and a half. The enclosure was 25 bucks. Maybe you got a deeply discounted thing because we've had ours a long time. Is it USB C? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm th- thinking of something else. Yeah, it's USB C. Oh. Does it come with a little plastic case with all the. Like with a little mini screwdriver that comes with it, and then the, no plastic case, but a little mini screwdriver. It was a little plastic bag. That's what it came with. Maybe yours is a different one. It's maybe that company makes Could several be. different ones. It's a USB three point one Gen two, so it's fast. Okay. Out of the ten gigabits that I'm supposed to get, I get seven point six. It's pretty good. I'm not complaining. <laughs> For yeah, a USB actually, device, really that is good. fast. Yeah. Because 3.1, the specs 10, yeah, 10 gigabit is the max. Yeah. It's like Thunderbolt 1, that half yeah. channel, or half duplex. 
That Thunderbolt, no, Thunderbolt 1 was 18 gigabit, I thought. It was 10, because it was half duplex. And then Thunderbolt 2 was 20, because it was full. Oh, I'm thinking of, 10 10. Um, I'm thinking, never mind, I'm thinking of uh, HDMI 2.0, or 1. Whatever the first revision, the, not the first revision of HDMI, but the first revision that was 4K supported, I think was 18. That was the one. That was the first one where you could do 4K, 60 hertz. I don't know. But that's yeah, completely different connections. Um. So I've switched over back over to Firefox. Um, was using the center for a while. I've. But explain to center because that is. Uh, multi-layer <laughs> we talked, cake. We've talked about it on another show, but Decenter is the web browser that is developed by Gab that they worked, they baked in their Gab uh, commenting uh, chat. Well, it's, not even ch it's like a, a message boards feature that they've caked into the browser so that any website or any web page you view can have its own independent uh chat thread that people that are also using dissenter can comment through that's really cool because that sounds in like it's theory, a layer it's above all the cool. websites and that's why i started that's why i switched over to it initially but half the sites that i go on it either doesn't work or there's nobody commenting through it and i think that I have the feeling it's going to be like one of these abandoned projects because it already feels like that. It's been around for like almost a year now and they still don't have a fucking built-in updater. You have to download the whole fucking browser from their website every fucking update. And on top of that, when you install, when you reinstall the new version, it doesn't like at first it doesn't you have no idea that it's actually updated because it's still telling you your version, your, your browser's out of date, even after you've installed the new version. So you don't know, you could look at, if you're looking in the about section, cause it's yeah. Chromium based, it has the same about area, unless you know the exact version number and you match it up with like their release notes, like on their, or you look up the, the release page, you have no idea if you're on the latest version. You could be two versions behind and update to the latest version and it'll still tell you that you're fucking out of date. It, I don't know. It's really janky. And then it crashes all the time too. You'll launch it. Usually it's from like your first time launching it. Like if you've closed out of like the, if the process is completely dead, it's not running at all and you launch it, it'll launch and then it'll immediately crash. Then you have to launch it again and then it'll work. And I could repeat that ad nauseum. Like, it's not just a fluke. It happens all the time. It sounds so, like insurgency. <laughs> yeah. You got to kind of jiggle so that, the handle to get it to work. That developer is, yeah, I gave my two cents about them the other day. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll get their shit together. And they were supposed to release an iOS version, too. That never happened. They were talking about that, like, five months ago it was supposed to come out. Never happened. Yeah. A web browser is a huge project. It's an enormous undertaking. It requires a big team because browsers are extremely complex today. So 
Yeah, but I'm it's, not surprised. it's all it's Chromium based. So a lot of the work's done for them already. It's not like Firefox. Firefox is probably what is Firefox based on? It's not Chromium and it's Gecko. not Gecko. Okay. Well, Chrome Which is what isn't what Safari. Uh, Safari no, Safari's built on their own thing. It's uh, all everything was built on WebKit. WebKit, yeah. It was all originally WebKit, which is but Safari the, is still WebKit though, right? Yeah, I mean they have their yeah. forks of it. I think uh, it was all originally it was all WebKit because that was the KDE, the Conquer browsers, uh, uh, HTML renderer, and Apple started taking the source, diddling with it. And then doing huge source dumps and trying to recommit it back into Conquer. And those guys, I guess, just accepted it at some point and took in all the code. But uh, after that, Google needed some kind of freely licensable uh, rendering engine. And then they took the same WebKit engine, benefiting from all of the Safari contributions. And then they were kind of competing on that same engine. Eventually, uh, Google turned it into V8. And I don't know where it's gone since then. And then Apple may have some like they're like they're using WebKit plus some other uh just in time JavaScript compiler, I think, that turns it into a binary. So it runs faster. I don't really know what Safari's doing. But I'm pretty sure they recontribute their WebKit contributions. Speaking of Safari, while we're talking about it, it has been really janky on iOS 13.3. I haven't noticed. Maybe it's an I maybe it could be a RAM limitation. Because I posted on the Mac Rumors forums about it and a couple other people chimed in with iPhone 10s. Because you know how you can um when you post on the Mac Rumors forums you can put a prefix for like to give it context like what device you're talking about. It's so been a put, long time so I don't know. Um and there were a couple other people that chimed in and said they were having the same issue, but they said that it was happening since 13.2. So What's the I, problem? So <clears throat> the main the, the the thing that I noticed the most the the weird issue with DuckDuckGo and like Google searches like just being black pages like blank pages whether you're using dark mode or white mode, um, it that and that's infrequent that happens every once in a while the constant one is when I'm on certain websites you know how like usually in the upper left hand or right hand corners they have like a menu shortcut it's like a little yeah, the hamburger menu. Yeah, exactly. Like that doesn't work. And I'll tap on it and then like I'll tap, tap. And because the uh, iPhone X has force touch, sometimes I'll tap too hard and then it fucking pops out like an image of the what I'm trying to tap on. Are you sure your screen's not dying? Isn't that a common problem? Well, that? that's what I thought. And then but I started using other apps and touching in the same areas of the screen and there was no problems. Hmm. So and I used Firefox and uh, Brave, and I had no problems. It was only in Safari it was happening. So that, and then uh, the other thing is links. Tapping on links, it doesn't like respond immediately. Like it'll, like if I tap too hard, it'll highlight it. If I tap too lightly, it's like it doesn't register. So it, it seems like on the surface, like a screen issue, but it doesn't happen in any other browser. So, okay. are you on a VPN? No, not and, when this uh, was happening. With the ad blocker, have you opened Purify that that ad blocker in a while? 
to see if it gets a new update. Yeah, I checked Purify. Um, I made sure that all the default settings were enabled because that's what I was always running. Yeah. And it's all the same. So That's weird. And you killed the app and you opened it again? Safari? Yeah. Yeah. I've rebooted my phone. I've Yeah. Also, um, not related to Safari, but uh, I've gotten the black spinning wheel of death probably five times in the last month. What is that? Where the whole screen goes black and you just get the spinning wheel that never stops. And the only way you can... Sounds like a springboard crash. It's not even a springboard crash because if it was a springboard crash, it would immediately go back to the to the lock screen. Yeah. This, it just sits there. It doesn't ever end. It just sits there, spinning wheel, spinning wheel, spinning wheel. You could leave it there for an hour and it doesn't end. So I have to do the iPhone 10 and later... Oh, that crazy dance on the side of your phone? Where you do phone? the fucking volume up, volume down, and then hold the power button. Left or down, the left, wake right. Button. Up, down, left, right, A, B, start. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah. And so oh, and I don't you know. throw a rubber chicken? I got a rubber chicken. Because of that guy's... Uh... Sorry. I'll tell you about the rubber chicken in a minute. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe the... It, it could just... Everything could just be a problem with my phone. It, like all the Safari issues, it could just be a problem with my phone dying. Because the spinning wheel of death, that didn't happen like in the last year until about a month ago so maybe something with ios 13 fucked it up maybe the storage is not like corrupted my phone like the the flash memory the flash storage flash storage um could be a memory problem i don't know but my phone's out of warranty and there's not a whole lot i can do about it and i'm not going to get an iphone 11 so i just kind of got to wait it out um you could use firefox it's yeah a web so that's the alternative yeah it's gecko that's the alternative so i've been kind of using firefox on my phone and i've in the last week i've been exclusively using firefox on my desktop machines and it's pretty good the yeah. memory usage has gone down a lot uh i got eight tabs open right now and it's only using 646 megabyte megabytes of memory have you used the vpn uh, I haven't used the VPN, but the services that I have used, uh, Firefox monitor is kind of cool. It's like that. Have I, what is that site that you used to? It is. To? Have I been pwned? Have I been pwned? Yeah. Yeah. It um, uses their API. Okay. I've been using that. Uh, I tried Firefox send that. I want to try using that with you or someone externally. Cause I have two Firefox accounts. I created a new one. You don't have to use email address. So think of it this way. I thought you have to be signed in for it to work. You don't have to. Uh, you can open a virtual machine or a remote machine and shit, I don't want to sign into my Google account on this remote machine here. So I'll just, on my uh, local machine, I'll just drop a file in Firefox Send and then use my clipboard to paste the Firefox Send URL on the remote machine. And then oh, okay. retrieve the file through Firefox Send. Rather okay. than like putting it in Google Drive or something and then signing in with your credentials and all that. Okay. It's handy I really for like, like that. I really like the Mozilla Foundation. I like their... It seems like they're... I don't want to say they're... Oops. Altruistic. 
but they're it seems like they're kind of like their sole existence is to like say fuck you to chrome and google i don't know like the, they used what the to be the pocket on thing? them it, they did but what is pocket what is that doing in firefox i forgot what that was it's some commercial uh evernote kind of replacement it's like an evernote instapaper kind of combination or book oh stuff. this is like some i i okay i saw this and it, didn't, it looked like it's funny because it doesn't have the same branding as the other firefox products it looks like it's some third party thing it that is. they're pushing it's fucking okay. adware it might as well be adware yeah what the hell is that also i don't know they're run by total communist pickle smoochers like literal communists like opera which is owned by, run by the chinese government <laughs> no Opera, the browser? Yeah, you didn't know that. It's a Chinese holdings company that runs them. No way. When yeah. did they get bought out? I thought they were like Norwegian or something. No, they're run by the Chicoms now. Since that's when? That's why I deleted that shit off my computer. Since a couple of years ago. What the fuck? Yeah, they created a, a, a gaming browser recently. Yeah, I saw that stupid news. I'm trying to find the Chinese company. Who owns them? Google search who? Oh yeah, Blink. Knowledge. That's what uh, a V8 or Blink. I guess that's what Google calls it now. So V8 is the JavaScript engine and then Blink is the fork of WebKit. Owner, Beijing Kunlun Tech Company. Yeah, Kifei International. But how long? Kenya's Future Holdings. That's the holding company. Uh, Golden Brick Capital Largest Private... Research largest Norwegian entirely owned by Chinese. Yeah, but it was the largest telecom. Uh, it as a re, it was made as a research project. Yeah, I remember Telmar. I originally used them because it was kind of cool that they were based out of Norway, because I have ancestry yeah. there. And then they sold out to the Chicoms, and now I won't touch this garbage. We. It's probably. When did you find out? out? This is like this is over a year ago. I stopped using. Remember, I I remember talking on the show about Opera. I didn't know releases, and I thought it was cool. And then I found out that they were acquired by some Chinese holdings company, and that's why I stopped using it. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, so that's within the show's timeline. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, well, screw them. I'm not using that garbage. Um, so yeah, Firefox. I'm happy with it for now. I don't know what they're. I don't know how they're making money. But it's good. It's good for now. Brave's good too. Brave's my backup. I am all in on Brave. I do have yep. some doubts about them though. The only reason I'm all in is uh, it was such a seamless jump from Chrome. Yeah, it's very similar. And the multi-profile thing is that's the biggest deal for me. I need multiple profiles. Syncing's shit on Brave. It's complete garbage. And then they say it's some blockchain thing, which means... I only care about my tabs being synced. That's all I care about. Oh, it definitely doesn't sync your tabs. Oh, really? If... Hmm. 
if it uses some kind of blockchain thing, like I kind of recall them saying, I'm talking about Bray right now, then that means if you remove a bookmark that it has synced, that it's still in the blockchain. There's a history of everything you've done. Mm. I don't actually understand what they did, but that sounds fucked up. I don't want that. Yeah. But the browser itself is good. Very, very solid Chrome alternative. And then the built-in ad blocking is really nice too. Um, They have a built-in web torrent client too. Built-in IPFS, built-in web torrent, built-in Hangouts plugin. I don't know what a media router is. Oh, for Chromecast. And then uh, some Ethereum crypto wallet thing. Yeah, I remember that weird cryptocurrency they have. Yeah, but they have a, a wallet for multiple cryptocurrencies now. Oh, okay. And you can attach your ledger, your ledger hardware crypto device or your Trezor or Bitcoin, stuff like that. So, um, did you know that Amazon has a game studio? I kind of recall them hearing about that on, uh, probably the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast. There is a Channel, uh, MMO they're coming out new with. Com. Called New World. Looks pretty interesting. It's uh looks like it's set in the uh at least it's um uh inspiration is based on like the uh discovery of like the Americas and stuff like that. Like the conquistador armor and stuff like that. It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty high quality based on what I've seen so far. May give it a try. I know yeah. you're not into MMOs, but... I'll have to watch the trailer for this. I'm not going to play it because it's an MMO, but the trailer should be interesting. Yeah. Um. Oh, that reminds me. Amazon added a LA region of AWS, which is cool. Yeah, we talked about that briefly the other day. It's pricey though. It went like from what forty or four cents to six cents. Well, yeah, their cheapest instance is what percentage is that? Let's just say it's twenty percent more expensive. Time I don't increase. know. Yeah. And there's no legacy uh, uh, storage tiers, so all you the only choice you have is to use GP two. Basically, you have to use SSDs and NVMe everywhere. You can't use any kind of magnetic disks. Hmm. So they don't. Do they do Glacier through that? Any S3 storage. This is purely EC2. That's in LA. Okay, so they don't. Okay, it's only. It's EC2. technically part of the Oregon region. I don't know why, but they're somehow tied to the Oregon region. So all your S3 storage would be in the Oregon region, and then they have some kind of fast fiber connection to the LA region. 
and then Northern California is just some fucking mystery. But it sounded like, based on the wording of that announcement, when they announced the LA local AWS region, which you have to uh, like email them to activate, it sounded like they're going to have more Southern California uh, data centers. I think it'll be that way across the whole U.S. They probably the next one would be in Irvine because I live very close to another Amazon uh, building here. They'd probably want a colo close to their offices. I bet there's going to be hundreds. They added some new uh, some capability where you can buy a rack from Amazon. It's an Amazon rack. They'll come and help install it. And then it shows up in your uh, AWS console and you control all the virtual machines in there. So you can provision whatever you need on that rack. Oh, that's cool. Probably get fortune though. Oh yeah. I wonder, I don't even think you would own the devices. I think you're just like paying a partial up front for a three year reservation basically. Yeah. Did you get any of your, um, did you go for the, any of the Amazon certification for AWS? Nope. Okay. Taking the, uh, cloud practitioner, I think in the next, I'm going to try and get it done before the end of the year. And then I'm going to do solutions architect after that. You just got to fuck up a lot until you find well, the, the cloud, path. the cloud practitioner one is basic knowledge. It's kind of just covering all the bases. Like skimming the surface, the solutions architect where they really dive deep into, uh, have you done any database stuff like RDS or, uh, what's the other one? Red, red flare or red. There's a lot. Uh, there's Aurora, which is part of RDS. Aurora is Amazon's. That's not free tier eligible. You got to pay for that. But if you want to do like MySQL or, uh, what's the other one? There's, a, there's like six database services that they support. Any kind of database, you can start okay. one up there. RDS is the main one, though. That's the one they want you to know the most about. Yeah. Um, if it's a really simple database, though, make it a serverless Aurora. You, you don't even have to pay for it because it's going to be off most of the time. There's nothing yeah. to maintain. For studying purposes, I'm I'm doing the free tier stuff right now. Like everything that's free tier supported, so I can do a what do they call it? Uh, God, it's fucking barking dogs. It's so distracting. Um, little fucking yipping little faggot dogs. <laughs> Are they shaking? I just hear them. You can probably hear them in the background too. I can't hear them. So annoying. Um. I lost my train of thought. Uh, They're full of miniature rage. So you're going to try and get all this done in the one year span that the free tier is good for? Yes. I didn't realize that you could actually get a cert in the free tier. Just you purely can in the free for tier. the cloud practitioner. The, that's cool. Um, the solutions architect, you, you're going to have to spend some money. But that's what I'm moving on to after this. Well, if you terraform it, you're only spending money for the hour that you're studying. And then you... Uh, terraform destroy and it takes everything down automatically for you yeah well i'm definitely gonna work with terraform at some point but i want to get the certification because uh for reasons that 
I'll discuss off the air. But All right. it looks good on a resume. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I like I like AWS. I like working with it. I like working with it a lot more than Azure. Azure is horrible, horrible interface, clusterfuck, and it's too dependent on. I feel like I've gone over this on the previous show, but it's it's so dependent on the existing Windows infrastructure, like the overlapping knowledge you need to have. It's all crap that I've. It's nothing new or interesting. It's it's just an expansion of the same bullshit that I've already worked with the last ten years, and it's janky and it's expensive, and they're they don't have like the, the there's such a huge barrier to entry like they only give you $200 of free credit that lasts 1 month you run a spin up a vm there is no free tier option for vms with them wait what it lasts for 1 month yeah $200 you have to spend $200 in a month yes because there's no free tier option i know amazon's is only technically a year but the like the equivalent of what you get so like a um, single core, one gig of RAM, and then 20 gigs of SSD storage with Azure is about $30 a month. So that's one service. But then, that's running Windows, right? Uh, no, you have to provide your own license for that. You don't get a Windows license. Actually, no, I take that back. I'm sorry. You get windows 10 license for free with that but if you want to run windows server you got to pay for it you got to have your own license that's the reason it costs twice as much it's because there's a license fee just if you use linux yeah but i'm still gonna have to pay the same amount if i wanted to run uh ubuntu on azure no it's always cheaper no there is no license for any linux that is their pricing for that instance tier you just get Windows 10, 18, whatever it is, 1809 or I don't know the exact model number you're referring to because you know how they've got the different instance types. There's if you refer really to an AWS way, one, I would understand. The AWS ones make more sense because it's designated as Nano, Micro, uh, XL. What, what's the one between it? They have it so that you can kind of remember what the size tiers are. Whereas with Microsoft, it's like these weird like D two V three like there's no nothing that identifies what the storage tier is unless you you're the storage at, is separate. That's why storage is always. I, separate. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I meant the uh, the the instance tier. Like you you don't know. They're all different configurations. They're all different prices, and it's not like organized. It's the prices are all over the place. Going like you could have a, a two core, uh, four gig of RAM instance with twenty gig SSD for let's say fifty dollars a month. Then you can have a two core, uh, two gig of RAM instance with a uh, eight gig SSD that costs like sixty dollars a month, and you don't know why until you look deeper into it. And it's yeah. like, oh, it has higher prioritization. That's like that's with why. the networking you, and like you have to RTFM. It, yeah, it's like it's, that with AWS too. It, yeah, I I I I understand what you're saying. I just think it's a little bit more intuitive on the AWS side. 
like it's looking all at it. RTFM all day long. I all yeah. I do is RTFM. Well, at least they have actual fucking documentation links on their main page. Azure doesn't have that. You got to reference TechNet articles to look up everything. They don't have direct links to. At least from when I was working with Azure, they don't have links anywhere that take you directly to the explanations of that stuff. It's You'll like see. a different section in the the blade that you got to look through. There's a lot to be desired but, in terms of documentation everywhere you go, especially well, on Amazon. <laughs> I like that they have, well, we could talk about this all day. AWS, you can, you can, because they, they change it, but you can also look at the classic, like they have the classic view that you can go back to and look at the, like for the, because like the, the videos that I'm watching, the training, they're all from like six months to a year ago. So they changed the UI just in the last yeah, 30 days. They did. Yeah. So I've had to kind of go back to the classic mode to find some things, but generally it's, I haven't had a problem navigating it. Generally. Yeah, wait till you get to a load balancer. Yeah, and then you got to select the uh, read the um, you have the region that your EC2 instance is set in, but there's what's the t the word for it? There's like different like sub regions like there's like zones. availability zone. That's it. Availability zones. You have to make sure you select the right availability zones. Because it won't work right if there's separate data centers. So yeah. one region actually has separate data centers. Yeah. But you have to select mobility zone when you're setting up the load balancer. Well, yeah. When you set up anything within that yeah. that region. Yeah. Any instances? Because well, where... the availability zones were the only thing I remember. I mean, the um, the load balancer was the only thing I remember having to select the availability zones for when tying it into an uh, EC2 instance. Yeah, your instance was probably in whatever they set the default uh, AZ to be. I set mine in Northern California. Yeah, but that's the region. <laughs> no, so. mine was C. It was C, actually, <coughs> for uh, for the availability zone. Yeah, the AZ can be arbitrary. They just, they just designate one, yeah. Yeah, there's a uh, default VPC so that there's no billing or anything. Right. Yeah. I like it. It's the most uh, entertaining part of my day compared to having to like write a script to automate some shit on a computer. Yeah. Dealing with AWS is uh, relatively pl pleasant. Yeah. I like it so far. Um, did you hear about the Mac Pro release? Yeah. Did you price one out? It's like the most expensive configuration was like 55 grand, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. It's really high. It's insane. It, I don't price even think you can bet. get one to ship without spending six grand. Yeah. That's the, that's the starting price is 59.99. That's it's crazy. insanely expensive. When you max I mean, that thing out, you put some of those five grand video cards in there, man. That hey, well, wood. if you're a uh, producer, like a DJ that needs that, and you work with Logic Pro, then that is a dream machine. Pretty sure everything a DJ is dealing with it has all been flattened down. They're not 
You're not uh, playing 1,200 tracks at once. You're a producer and you're trying to create some really intricate stuff, then I could see why you would want that. I heard somewhere, uh, also the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, I guess, they said one of the guys just offhandedly mentioned something about sampling audio at 32 bits. And I guess with the right microphone and the right, so the, the right mic and the right equipment that could sample at 32 bits for audio, you almost can't uh, clip. You can scream directly in the mic and it can still record it. Huh. I should look into that. But it takes a lot of processing power. I'm sure. And then you're limited to 4 gigs of RAM with a 32-bit host operating system. Who has a 32-bit OS? Well, aren't 32-bit applications in Windows limited to only using 4 gigs of RAM? Pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Unless I don't know about in Mac OS, but... 32 bits is 4 gigabytes of yeah, memory It's space. like 3 3.9 something, yeah. Well, that's all that's addressable in Windows, but it's 4 gigabytes. Okay. I'm not sure why, but they added some physical address extension to Intel chips back in the days of 32 bits where they added, they made, uh, I think 36 bit chips. I think this is what Intel did so that they could put more than four gigabytes into servers. So you could buy your quote unquote 32 bit Xeon, but with PAE running Linux or something, you could actually address eight plus gigs. Interesting. Did hyper does hyper threading work in thirty two bit? Yeah, it just shows up as another core. Okay. I don't know what other feature limitations there were. It's been so long since I've worked with thirty two bit OS. It's been probably five years. Pretty sure a lot of the Windows stuff you're dealing with is thirty two bit. Well, I take that back because we still have fucking people that are trapped in the 90s or the early 2000s running XP VMs. So they run some old shit software that never got updated and they're too pragmatic to uh, move on to something new. <clears throat> XP? Yeah. Old ass software. Are they just waiting to retire? Yeah, it's usually accounting firms. They run old like ledger software that um, it's like a DOS based application that you're not going to obviously run a DOS system. So you have to run an XP machine that uh, will support it. Because if you run it in anything newer than that, the application won't work. It just won't launch. You could try running it in compatibility mode and all that crap and it doesn't work. Yeah, that sucks. Being dependent yeah. on that. Didn't you build a new machine? Yeah, so I uh, put together from scraps that we had left over at our office. We had a couple ITX boards laying around. Um, we put together a Steam machine, a Steam box, that uh, 
say i7 3770 with 8 gigs of ram and then a gtx 1050 that i've had laying around for about six months now um so i figured hey you know i could i could turn this into a little steam box so got it booted up but it's having a problem i think the power supply is the problem it doesn't stay powered on it runs for about like five minutes and then it shuts off so it's either something wrong with the board or the power supply. I got to throw another power supply in it, see if that fixes the issue. If that doesn't, then it's probably something wrong with the board. And I've got that other ITX board at the office that I'll swap it out with. They're both the same architecture. They're both the same chipset, I mean. So I could just throw one CPU on the other one. So what version of SteamOS are you running? The latest version, it's... Uh, Whatever's on their site, if you go to SteamOS, it's Debian based, so it's uh, SteamOS two. Uh, they don't ha they don't list like what the version is. Uh, go onto this download page. One point four gigabyte download. Did it boot up long enough for you to see? Yeah, I could like load into the the it give like has like the splash screen when you log well, like when when it loads, but you log in and then it it'll shut off. It's just okay. like there's it's Debian eight, that's what it's based on. Yeah, so Debian eight's still Je supported. Jesse, Jesse, yeah. So Jesse's outdated though. The new one's uh, uh they're on nine now, aren't they? Uh, I think 10 is the latest state. No, they're 10. You're right. Yeah, 10. But so eight, eight, I think is still technically getting long-term support. Yeah. Eight's like from four years ago. Yeah. LTS is last like five years most of the time. Yeah. And they like to drag their feet. And then there's a company called uh, Friesian. They do Debian support extended Debian support. So I technically had Debian 7, 7.5 support for like two years after Debian 7 was unsupported. Okay. And then I accidentally updated that server all the way to Debian 10 and nothing broke. Well, that's cool. I didn't Debian's even know I did it. Debian's pretty solid. Debian is very solid. It's the best uh, Linux OS. You can make the argument that FreeBSD is better, but I don't use FreeBSD other than PFSense. And the brief time that I dabbled with FreeNAS. There's so many Ansible playbooks that are built around some type of a Linux system that I don't want to deal with porting the stuff that I currently have to work with FreeBSD. The stuff that I paid people to make for me, uh, that stuff I made sure it had a FreeBSD version, but um, any other work that I've done, I wouldn't want to take the time to port. So I'm accepting that I just use all these virtual machines on my VPSs as disposable Debian machines. 
Although most of my work stuff is Ubuntu because you can actually pay for support. Yet we yeah. never have, so. Uh, anything else? Mm. Oh, my heart stood still. <laughs> you know what's funny i read an article about that do you remember the guy named phil specter he was the guy that he was like a record producer and he murdered some chick and he's in prison now i creepy don't looking dude. know who that is well he was the producer of that song the what is it do do da 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 do run run i think it's a do run run so if he, you he, Google Phil Spector, he looks like he looks like he could be Satan incarnate, like the Crypt Keeper, yeah, but with hair, big froey hair, as if he stuck his finger in a light socket. Yeah. Well, anyway, how does he have so much hair? He it's fake. He's wearing a wig. He okay, produced because he's that. clearly balding. Yeah, he's wearing a wig. He produced that song and before he went to prison he went on some like uh awards show and he like publicly denounced <laughs> that song i think that's why it got banned by the bbc i don't think like that video was banned by the bbc i don't think it was banned because it was in poor taste i think it got banned because he was so pissed off that they desecrated his song <laughs> <laughs> and so when i read that i i like it was even funnier to me like that that it, like that whole video became instantly even funnier <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> right, well, you can find the video at bringyourwallet.com slash frontier and the episode 277 yeah. bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and tell your friends. I don't know what I normally say anymore. See you next week. Sign our.